One of my favorite, and I'll also say least favorite places to go shopping is Walmart. And this past week I had to go to Walmart, and as I walked about 10 or 20 feet in, I saw something I didn't really want to see because I wasn't really ready for it. I saw, not Christmas stuff, but Halloween decorations up already. And I'm just thinking, like, Lord, it's not even, school's even started yet. Like, what the heck are we doing? And I just, immediately my mind just kind of jumps fast, and I'm like, well, pretty soon we're going to see those Halloween costumes. And then my mind just started, did a little bit of a flashback about how many Halloween costumes I've worn as a young child, a young boy. And a few of them that I wore, I I used to love Karate Kid when I was growing up. I loved the Karate Kid show and the movie. And I had, you know, the karate uniform, had a little bandana around there. I thought it was cool. My brother and I had that. And then one year I was a race car driver. And then if you're from Wisconsin, and I would say if you're a true Wisconsinite and you're a boy, you have to at least once, at least once, you have to dress up as a Green Bay Packer player. And if you don't, you can leave. If you never did that, you can leave right now because you're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. But seriously, you can go. Um, also, and then as I got older, you know, I, I kind of noticed as I got older, I was covering my face a lot more. I had I put eye black on with, with the hel- helmet. And then as I got in like fifth and sixth grade, I would actually wear like a full-on mask. One, one time I dressed up as Jason um, with a hockey mask. Not a very good idea. And then I, one year I dressed up as a vampire and all I had was two little eye holes to see through. But I noticed that more, the older and older I got, the more and more of my face that I covered. And as, we, as I began to look at that and I look at covering our, putting on masks, I always, it always brings me back to my time in seminary. And for those of you who don't know what seminary is, seminary is where a man goes to study and pray and discern if God is truly calling him to be one of his priests. And my first year in seminary, the rector at the seminary, Father Dennis Robinson, he said, after about three months of being there, he said, gentlemen, it's time we take off our masks. Because sometimes when we're new to a community or we're bent in a certain area, we live behind our, what I would say, our wounds. We put on masks because we want to guard ourselves from the pains of the world or the hurts of the world or the broken relationships of the world And we're not really allowing others to see who we truly are. And we're not allowing God to see who we are. And I think the best example of being vulnerable and taking the mask off consistently and showing us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus would be St. Pope John Paul II. And for those of you who know his life, he lived a very difficult life. A lot of people think if you're going to be a Christian, it's going to be an easy path. But he followed that narrow gate, that narrow path that we heard about by the age of 20 in Poland where he was from. His mother died, his brother died, and so did his dad. He was the only one left. And right as that happened, as all those people died, he decided he wanted to go to seminary. And that's right when the Nazi regime was coming in during World War II. And he actually studied to be a priest underground. And then eventually he was ordained a priest. And then he became a bishop. And then a cardinal. And then ultimately the Holy Father, our Pope, our Papa. And for those of you who remember him, he was even shot, almost killed, by one of his enemies, a Muslim man. And he actually forgave that man when he was recovered. And that man converted and became a Christian through the mercy of God. But towards the end of his life, for those of you who remember St. Pope John Paul II, is he had... He, came down with an ugly disease called Alzheimer's. 
And he actually, you just, you almost like towards the end of his life, you couldn't even recognize St. Pope John Paul II. But the one image that always stands out to me of what it means to be an authentic Christian is to let people not see you when you're at your strongest, but also when you're at your weakest. And as he came out to pretty much say goodbye to his people, St. John Paul II came out in St. Peter's Square tired, exhausted, but he wanted to see his children. And all he could do was raise his hand and a little bit of drool, a little bit of spittle came from his mouth. And that's all he could say. He was not wearing a mask. He was letting people see him, not just in his strongest, but in his weakest. And he gives us such a good example of mercy. And he died on the Vigil of Divine Mercy. And the Vigil of Divine Mercy, Divine Mercy, that that feast that we celebrate, always tells us that, that no matter what state of life you are in, no matter how big your sins are, God can indeed forgive you. And also, the greater the sinner, the greater the need for God's mercy. Someone comes up to Jesus today and asks, Lord, will only a few people be saved? And what does it mean to be saved? It means to be safe. So we are not Protestants. Some Protestants and evangelical Christians believe once saved, always saved. That means I say, Jesus Christ, I take you as my Lord and Savior, and now I can live however I want. That's ridiculous. We believe that we were saved at our baptism. We are being saved every day, and we hope to be saved. It is not a one-and-done choice, ever. And when we look at our world today, you've got to wonder how many people are going to make it. How many people are going to go to heaven? That is the question. And as, we, as Jesus answers that, notice how Jesus, in his wisdom, he doesn't give a number, but he tells a parable to let the person think about this. Instead of being judgmental towards others, he says, look in at yourself first. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. And many people in our world today are trying to strive through the narrow gate without the church, without a community, without brothers and sisters, without friends, without fellowship. And they say, I got this. I don't need your help. And that spirit of self-reliance, the spirit of I got this, is one of the most evil spirits out there in the world. Because then you're saying, I don't need a savior. I don't need your help, Jesus. And all of us need Jesus. All of us need his mystical body, the church, to walk with us, not just when we're strong, but also when we are incredibly weak. And we have to ask ourselves also, are you, am I, are we striving to enter through the narrow gate? And the narrow gate is the cross. Are we striving to walk to Jerusalem, to encounter Jesus in our day-to-day activities, by the way we speak, by the way we spend our free time, in everything we do, Am I living with the cross in reality? Because notice how he's not wearing a mask. He's wearing a crown to purchase your soul and my soul for eternity. And where do you and I ultimately encounter the mercy of Jesus where we can take our masks off? We do that in confession. Where we tell Jesus our sins, where we take our masks off, 
So when we come knocking at that door, when we come knocking at that door, he doesn't say, I don't know where you are from because you're wearing a mask of with this shame or this hurt or this pain. After you receive the healing anointing of Jesus in confession, he gives you back your original identity, which is being a son or a daughter of the Father. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And I just want to talk about confession in relation to the Mass because of those of you who have been studying or studying the faith and listening to news and even listening to relevant radio, you've heard the daunting statistics about the Catholic Church in the United States. We had a Pew Research study done, and it said that only 33%, 33% of Catholics believe that what we receive on this altar is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And for those who are 40 and under, the number is worse. It's only 20% believe that it, we truly receive Jesus, that that red sanctuary candle in that tabernacle, that red sanctuary candle says, Jesus is here. That's why we don't talk so loud in church. That's why we are more reverent in church, because this building is indeed different. So I want us to look at something that St. Paul said in regards to what we're doing right now and asking, am I striving to enter through the narrow gate, particularly in confession? St. Paul says in, second, or in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. He says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and drinks judgment upon himself. What that means is that you and I are always supposed to be asking that question, is it really you, Jesus, in the Eucharist? Am I really receiving the body and blood of Jesus? And if indeed I am, am I in a state of grace? A state of grace is that I have no mortal sins on my soul, which means I've gone to confession in the past year. And if I have committed a mortal sin, I go to, con- I go to confession before I receive Holy Communion. Because otherwise I'm drinking condemnation, judgment upon myself. So we have to discern the body. And then St. Paul says, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. He's, asking, he's telling us to confess our sins, to be in a state of grace, where we take our masks off, where we let Jesus see us as we truly are. So when you and I die, because we're all going to die, and we knock at that door the last time, it's not going to be Jesus saying, I don't know where you're from. He's going to say, I know exactly who you are, and you know who I am, because you spent time with me in the Blessed Sacrament. You spent time with me in confession, examining my body and blood. And it's a difficult teaching. In John 6, which I'd encourage you to read over, look at John 6. Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And the Jews quarrel, and they struggle with that teaching, and Jesus doesn't back down. 
He says it three more times. And the Jews says, this is a difficult teaching. And they walk away. And then Jesus looks at the apostles, in particular Peter, and he says, are you going to leave me now too? And Peter says, Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. To whom else shall we go? To whom else shall we go is a great question. As I left Walmart and was disgusted by seeing Halloween stuff, there were a few bright lights. As I left, a few of the students from our school where they're getting their school stuff and they're so excited to come back. And there's a little bit of a little bit of joy in me and a little bit of anguish. Because a lot of our school students and their families don't come to church. They don't know about the true presence of Jesus. They don't know about the power of confession. And they don't know the importance of what we do here right now. About 10% of our school students and families come and worship with us on Sunday. But they're not going to come if we don't do anything. Our responsorial psalm said, Go out and tell the world the good news. That no matter where you are, no matter what state of life in, Jesus wants to encounter you and he wants to set you free. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to do what he said last week. He wants to set the world on fire. And what does fire do? It burns up all that is dead and brings new life after the fire goes out. So let us make a commitment this week to indeed ask the Lord for the grace to take our masks off, to have a good confession, to not worry about ourselves, but to know that our God loves us and that no matter where we are at in our lives, the Lord wants to meet us right there, no matter where your feet are at in the dirt. Because our God wants us to recognize him and he wants to recognize us. But if we leave our masks on, if we leave those masks on, we are hiding from love. And you and I are created for love. Amen.